Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Welcome to episode 30 of Calm Words for Anxious Hearts. We're currently in the midst of a five-week series on prayer, and this week is part three in that five-part series. Today I want to talk about something I'll just call simple prayer. When most of us think of prayer, I imagine simple prayer is what comes to mind. Now, to just tie today's episode into what we've said the last two weeks... In the last two episodes, we've looked at why we pray and how we pray, but today we start to shift our attention to what we pray, or perhaps to be more accurate, where we start in our prayer life. And I want to begin by quoting Richard Foster in his fabulous book entitled Prayer. He writes, Today the heart of God is an open wound of love. He aches over our distance and preoccupation. He mourns that we do not draw near to him. He grieves that we have forgotten him. He weeps over our obsession with muchness and manyness. He longs for our presence. That is a pretty radical thing to say if you think about it, that God longs for our presence. We might imagine it would be the other way around. Doesn't Psalm 42 say... As the deer longs for the water brook, so my soul longs for you, O God? And of course, the answer is yes. The author of Psalm 42 understands that we all long for the living water that only God can give, even if we tend to search for that water time and time again in empty wells, like achievement and recognition and money and power and reputation. In fact, I'd say that behind every sin is a deep longing for God. As St. Augustine noted so long ago, our souls are restless, O Lord, until they rest in you. But according to Foster and according to the Bible, God also longs for us, meaning that there is a sense in which God is restless until we rest in him. And because God longs for us, and that is foundational to understanding prayer and grace, that God desires to be in relationship with us, that God wants to be in a relationship with us. But if that's true, prayer then becomes a very simple invitation, an invitation from God to come back home. Like the prodigal son, we've left our home and made a mess, at least in some aspect of our life, but our father is good And God invites us back to the feast. And that's why prayer, above all else, is about coming home, coming home to God, and coming home to our deepest self, which can only be experienced in God. Prayer is about learning to long for God and about knowing that God longs for us. And so to be effective prayers, we really need to learn how to love. I mean, right, prayer is not about rolling up our sleeves and just resolving to do it. Real prayer is about falling in love. But where do we begin? Well, I think a lot of us never learn to pray or can sustain our prayer life 
because we think that we have to get our lives in order before we can start praying, and that having it all together is a prerequisite to prayer. In other words, first we fine-tune our lives or learn the different prayer techniques or kick our addictive behaviors, and then once we're clean, we can start to pray. But that is totally wrong. You see, prayer is not like calculus or physics. It's not something that we master. Prayer is something that masters us. When it comes to prayer, we'll never be competent and we'll never be in control. After all, the kingdom of God, Jesus said, belongs to children. And children are not in control of anything. Because the truth is, in prayer, each one of us brings mixed motives to God. We're full of love and anger full of goodness and selfishness, full of good motives and also selfish motives. And I know this may come as a surprise, but it is not our job to sort all that stuff out. In fact, God forbids us to even try too hard to sort it out because one, we're not smart enough, and because two, God is big enough and gracious enough to take us as we are. We don't have to be smart or pure or full of faith to pray. Because in Christianity, there's this thing called grace. And as Christians, we're not just saved by grace. We live by grace. We pray by grace. And so once again, where do we all begin? Well, all prayer begins with the most basic and primary form of prayer there is, which is often called simple prayer. Simple prayer is about bringing ourselves before God as is, our wants, our desires, our fears, our frustrations. Like a child sitting on Santa's lap, we open our hearts and we tell God what we're feeling. We make our requests known with clarity, without pretension or forethought. We simply share our deepest concerns and desires. We pray for good weather. We pray for help with our test. If we're lonely, we pray for friends. I just finished rereading Augustine's Confessions. His first prayer was that his teachers would not unfairly beat him in school. He was scared of being whipped. God, he prayed, did not let that happen. It really hurts. That is a simple prayer. And in a very real sense, we are the focus of simple prayer. It's about our needs, our wants, our concerns. Simple prayer is mostly about us. Now, I know what you're thinking. That really sounds selfish. I thought Christianity was about losing our lives for others and for the Lord, not about treating God like Santa Claus. And of course, you're absolutely right about that. There's no doubt a lot of pride, a lot of vanity and egocentricity that comes with simple prayer. But I want you to consider, what alternative do we have? Just for fun, suppose we try filtering our prayers. Let's say we work really hard to sort out what's worth bringing to God and what's not worth bringing to God. Let me ask you this. Does a child do that? And if we do take matters into our own hands and try filtering what's worthy to bring to God and what's not worthy to bring to God, do we really believe in grace and in God's goodness? And on top of that, do we really think God doesn't know what we're up to? And could God really be pleased that we find God to be so unapproachable that our coming before God has to be so planned and calculated and rehearsed? To filter our prayers, 
to only pray about those things we think God wants to hear about, to pray for world peace when all we can think about is our toothache. This does not come from a high view of God. It comes from a very low view of God. It's a fake humility. You see, God is perfectly capable of handling our anger and frustration and disappointment and selfishness. In fact, I love how the collect of the day begins for Proper 22. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we are to pray and to give more than we either desire or deserve. The point of this prayer is that we get to bring to God whatever we have. God is almighty and everlasting, meaning God understands that we often want things and ask for things that are not good for us. And we often fail to ask for things that we need and that would really nourish our life. God's job is to know all that and to love us enough to answer our prayers in accordance with his will. But our job is to be honest and to ask. As C.S. Lewis once put it, prayer is about laying before God what is actually in our heart, not laying before God what we think ought to be in our heart. Simple prayer, if nothing else, is honest. And that's why we have to begin with simple prayer, because prayer is about falling in love. It's about growing in a personal relationship. And without honesty, a relationship is not possible. Now, of course, God wants his children to grow up. You know, it's really, really cute when a three-year-old girl asks her dad for a pony, and it's really, really weird when a 33-year-old woman asks her dad for a pony. And so, yes, as we grow in grace, we will move beyond simple prayer. That being said, the only way to move beyond simple prayer is to go through simple prayer, not to make a detour around it. We are born into this world as infants, and we're born again into God's world as infants. And even as we grow up, we'll never leave simple prayer behind completely because genuine prayer is about conversing with God about the real condition of our heart. Now, with that in mind, let's look together at Jesus' teaching on prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6 and 7, selected verses. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Therefore, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, would give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, would give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Here ends the reading. There's a lot of wisdom here for getting started in our prayer life. First, don't be a hypocrite, a word meaning play actor. In other words, 
Don't act or put on a show whenever you're speaking to God. Don't ask God for world peace when all you care about is your tooth. Second, don't pray to be seen. If prayer is our tool for becoming popular and admired by others, it's not real prayer. Third, God knows what we need before we even ask. That's encouraging. No one's more in tune with our wants and needs than God. Fourth, God tells us we are to ask anyway. Yes, God knows, but God still wants to be asked. Fifth, even though we can be bad, God is still very good, and God's desire is always to give God's children good things. Now, you might be wondering, I I always wondered this as a child, if God already knows our needs before we ask, then why on earth do we have to ask? In other words, why doesn't God just give us what we need? Well, it goes back to our first P from two weeks ago. The God we pray to is personal, and petition or asking is at the heart of all personal relationships. At the heart of prayer is the request, addressing God as our Father and asking God to do something for us. And of course, the request works both ways. As prayer becomes more natural, we'll learn to hear what God is saying to us when God is asking us to do something for him. But the God we pray to is personal, and because of that, God wants to be asked. And so back to our question, when it comes to prayer, where do we begin? The answer is simple. We begin right where we are. We speak to God about what concerns us, our families, our classes, our friends, our dreams, our disappointments. I know it sounds trivial, but this is the most profound truth you'll ever hear about God. We worship a God that freely chooses to enter our world, our reality. And so if your reality right now is a toothache, that is the only reality God wants to enter. And so when it comes to prayer, God wants us to begin right where we are with very simple prayer. And so for those of you eager to get started, I'll leave you with four very quick pieces of advice. Number one, remember that prayer is first and foremost an ongoing, growing love relationship with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And because of that, no one has any advantage. The bruised and the broken can enter simple prayer just as freely as the wealthy and the wise. The only thing we need to get started with prayer is desire. Number two, when you begin to take prayer seriously, don't get discouraged by how bad you are or by how difficult you find prayer to be. Our hunger for God is actually where prayer begins. Wanting to pray is the beginning of prayer. The very desire to pray is itself a gift of grace, a gift of the Spirit. And in time, that desire will lead to practice, and that practice will then increase our desire. And so please don't get too discouraged. Your very desire to pray is itself a gift of grace. Number three, don't try praying too hard. There's a natural progression in the spiritual life. We don't take occasional joggers and expect them to run a marathon. In the same way, we don't take spiritual children and expect them to pray for hours each day. And so try not to be too spiritually greedy. If prayer is not a fixed habit for you, instead of starting with 30 minutes a day, start with three and pour all your energy into those three minutes and offer them to God and then tell God you need a break. Trust me, God will understand. And number four, learn to pray even when you are sinning. 
If you struggle with anger or greed or ambition or something else, don't isolate these things from your prayer life or take a break from prayer until you beat them. Instead, talk to God about what's happening. It warms God's heart whenever we trust God enough to bring our mess to God in prayer and whenever we trust in the forgiveness we've been granted through Christ. And so, learn to pray even as you sin. But if we're going to learn how to pray well, the only place to start is where we are. And at first, we will be the center and subject of our prayers. But then in God's time and in God's way, our hearts will begin to change and we'll stop thinking of God as a part of our life because we'll come to see that we are a part of God's life. The heart of God is an open wound of love. As the deer longs for the water brook, so God's soul longs for us. We don't have to clean up before we go back home. We just need to go back home and trust God to clean us up. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we are to pray and more ready to give than we either desire or deserve. Pour upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving us of those things of which our conscience is afraid, and giving us those good things for which we're not worthy to ask, except through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.